RadioHopNetwork.com. It is strongly addictive. Radio worth watching. Radio worth watching. This is Vox Populi. Vox Populi, the voice of the occasionally interested people. A political talk show for people who don't spend a lot of time talking politics. The only agenda understand, inform, and entertain. Now, here's your host, Sean Astin. We're live. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Sean Astin, and we are here at the Toad Hop Network. Vox Populi, voice of the occasionally interested people. We have Johnny Ice working the boards. Hi, Johnny. And we have, I have been working Twitter this morning like a madman. I'm very excited that there are some twenty, uh, some 46,000 plus Twitter followers, if I believe that. Static, or that uh, fact that's listed, um, I totally believe it. Maybe not totally, um, but I really, I, you know, I'm so excited because it's the uh, Republican National Convention is in its last day now. Uh, tonight, Governor Mitt Romney will formally accept his party's nomination for President of the United States and kick off the last uh, two months of what has been. Um, a very long campaign, primary campaign uh, for him and everybody in the country. And it's just a big moment for those of us who like – are we good? I hear it, but should I just keep going? Okay. Uh, having a little fun uh, chirping in the studio, but I will just keep going. I For anybody who really likes politics, and I know that it's uh, not a, a, a large number of the population actually enjoys politics – um, I know this <laughs> for a number of reasons, not the least of which is uh, you just ask anybody on the street and they sort of scoff at you and walk the other way. But for anybody who loves politics or has a sense of political history, the political theater is uh, – it's fun. It's the Super Bowl, I guess. So, uh, maybe the Super Bowl is election night, but it's, it's playoffs or something like that to use a sports metaphor. Um, you have the players in one place. They are puckered up and ready to – uh, strut their stuff. Um, you get to see exactly the the spin that you're going to be uh, living with from both sides for the the two months leading up to the election, and you get to you get to hear distilled into soundbite form and speech form, rhetorical form, everything that we've been getting snippets of for the past you know three and a half years when it comes to presidential politics. And there's just something um, – it's a pageant, and very often it is uh, – it feels totally irrelevant, so much so that the news directors often want to cut the coverage down from a week to four days to three days to – we'll just pop on for some of the uh, candidates' acceptance speech. But I must say, uh, at least in the cable realm – there's wall-to-wall coverage, and I've been uh, – aside from the coverage of the, uh, the, the storm, and we wish um, safety and, and uh, health uh, to all of the people in the um, path of that hurricane uh, and all of the 
rescuers and, and everybody involved, we, we wish good things. So aside from the fact that that natural disaster has uh, uh, rightfully pulled the attention away from, from the convention, there, there is um, a, pretty, a pretty good covering. It would be great if the technology that is available to Fox News and MSNBC and CNN and, and all the others was, uh, was sort of available for conversations about uh, important social issues and, and uh, government issues all year round, every year, all the time, if you could get that level of um, passion and intensity in the coverage. Because all the people who the anchors and the, and the hosts are clamoring to get you know five minutes of their attention, the rest of the time would love to get a few minutes of their time. Um, so obviously it's, it's great for everybody that the platform is set up and they can, uh, they can strut their stuff. But I, for one, live for these uh, conventions. I love them. I love uh, watching them. I love thinking about them. Last night was really a, um, a fun time for me. I, I, I had to do – I'm running in a marathon coming up, a half marathon on Sunday. And I needed to get a good long run in, uh, a 10-miler. And while I was running, I, I, I was, you know, I, I would have really hated missing a lot, hearing a lot of the speeches live. But, you know, like a lot of people, you, you got things to do. You can't just stop your whole life, uh, to, to listen to politics. But I got myself, I got my cell phone with my ear thing. And instead of listening to uh, great music like I usually listen to when I run, I went to, um, NPR. National Public Radio and got their live feed and stuck it in the back of my little backpack thing and listened for, I don't know, two hours, whatever it was, over two hours uh, to these speeches while I ran. It was hot in the valley, in the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles. Um, it was late, you know, it was six o'clock when I started. It was dark when I finished, but uh, watched the sun go down. So being outside, feeling your body, feeling the, the pavement as you're running and you're, you're breathing and, you know, just really getting in touch with your, uh, you know, the psyche of your, your body mind as you're, as you're, you know, attacking a 10, a 10 mile, um, you know, session, running session, uh, workout. But hearing the whole time, first, uh, Governor Pawlenty, and then Governor Huckabee, and then I think next was Secretary uh, Condoleezza Rice, and then and so all of these speeches and, and the feelings you normally have when you when you watch these things if you're sitting on your couch is some of the stuff just makes you so mad, just makes you you just want to you know no matter what party you're from. I'm a Democrat, so a lot of the things that the Republican leadership says just grate on me just because I have a different viewpoint. But even just as a, as a citizen, as a human being, as a person who loves oratory, listening to some of the speeches, they just drive you crazy. But then there's some things that get said uh, that, are, that are really thought-provoking, that are really inspiring, uh, that really lift you up. And – I, there was a particular moment when I kind of glanced out of my, you know, off to the left and the sun was just setting this brilliant kind of, you know, red orb, but just about to go down behind the mountains. The, the, the baking hot sun was starting to cool just a little bit. The kind of warm air was cooling a little bit, but, but you could see all around the kind of purple mountains majesty at, while I was running. And it was actually listening to Condoleezza Rice speak, who, you know, historically, I, I really, really, really have had a lot of problems with. Uh, her decisions and the way she's carried herself. 
Uh, but man, she just gave a fantastic speech last night. She was a stateswoman. She was uh, the 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 quality of the language that she used, the the way she articulated America's uh, the challenges we face and and uh, our posture. Uh, she just really, really, really put a great face on the Republican Party, and uh, it was a, it was a shining moment in her life. I'm sure of it. It'll be a signature moment for her. Uh, but I'm running and listening to this person who has so often made me really, really angry, and I'm just feeling uplifted and feeling like I am so blessed to live in the country I live in and as imperfect as it is and as many problems as we have and as much uh, turmoil as we go through and everything else, it's a great place. And I was looking around and I could see, you know, people watering their lawn and I could see, you know, traffic, people doing everything. And I just, I just felt glad to be alive. The endorphins were probably a part of it. A little bit of the caffeine was probably part of it. But, but I, I just, um, I kind of thought maybe this is a good way for people to uh, to experience political convention speeches is, you know, in the gym or out running or, you know, maybe with an amplifier while you're swimming in the swimming pool. Uh, anyhow, we're going to be talking about the GOP, which stands for the Grand Old Party, um, the Republican Party, one of the two major. I know that we've got listeners from all over the world who don't know much about American politics. So I want to just kind of be uh, thought mindful of of these people who are you listeners who've been kind enough to tune in uh, the grant there's two major political parties the democrats and the republicans the republicans now are having their big show it is theater folks it is political theater which in a lot of ways is a, uh, a sort of an epithet that you can hurl or it's not an epithet it's it's just a criticism you can say oh it's just political theater but i actually think that a certain amount of political theater is healthy. It's healthy. It's fun. It's useful. It's important. So we're going to talk uh, for most of the show. Maybe all the show is going to be dedicated to uh, to that. If you'd like to call in, I, honestly, we, we I got the numbers um, uh, today f from um, Johnny Ice, who's kind of, who's now running the station. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you very much. You're taking taking over the Toad Hop Network. As uh, as Frank uh, and Heidi have gone to KLOS to brought to expand the empire, like Caesar going into Germania, um, he they've they've gone to the major uh, the the founder of the the network here has gone to host the most uh, influential rock radio station, morning drive time radio station in Los Angeles. He and his partner Heidi. Uh, so, but it's left. Uh, it's left a little bit of uh, the inmates here at the Toad Hop Network to run the asylum, and, and uh, Johnny Ice is in charge. And he showed me right b before we came on what the numbers were, and we have among the highest uh, of the of the twenty some odd shows on the, or a little less than twenty shows on the network. We are in the top tier of live viewer listeners. People love to watch your face live. Well, it's just a handsome face. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's why I try and hide behind the microphone, just to keep the illusion going. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I really, really do appreciate that we that we have that. But what it means to me, and it's something like 7,000 people are watching and listening right now, and then you've got another 8,000 or so are going to click on this and listen to it afterwards. Folks, if you're listening, you know, once in a while, please please try and take an active role. You know, I know that there's a dynamic that happens, which is that 
the people with the strongest opinions who are thrilled that there's finally a forum uh, where you know nobody's allowed to attack anybody. You can have really strident views. You can really be critical of the opposition, and you, you can you can poke fun a little bit. You can even you can even say things that are that are really aggressive. But there there is a there is a a boundary. The concept is we really want to we really want you you know there to be a, a healthy civilized conversation. So I think there's a lot of our listeners, particularly a handful of the, what I call the loyals, uh, who are thrilled to have this outlet, and I'm thrilled to have them. They they drive the show, and they they do such great research. They pull articles, they pay, post links on Twitter, and and uh, hopefully they'll gravitate to the new um, Facebook page. We have a new Facebook page called uh, Vox Populi Radio. Which we just launched. We have 102 followers or likes. I'm learning Facebook speech, but anyhow, they really kind of set the tone for the conversation. And and maybe that's uh, we need to be mindful of the fact that there are other people listening who may have a question that they feel is a dumb question, uh, a simple question. You know, people may feel like, well. A thought they have will probably be expressed by someone else. A question they have will likely come from somewhere else, or they're just not interested in in leaning forward and and you know dialing the telephone or or you know tweeting back or something like that. I really, I the the idea of Vox Populi for me is about making the show available to the people, all the people, uh, within the sound of my voice, within the reach of. My tweets or your retweets or, you know, wh- however deep the social media conversation can penetrate. So, you know, I'm beholden to no one. I, I, I'm looking forward at some point to having advertisers, which would be great because we'll have money to do things we want to do. But right now, I, the only thing that limits my uh, free association or my thoughts is concern that I'll alienate some segment of the audience. So I don't want to say, God, I hate that person so much. They make me want to pull my hair out and they're just a liar and a cheat and a scallywag and a, you know, nobody uses the word scallywag, but, but anyhow, you know, the, the reason I, I, aside from the premise of the show is civil discourse. One of the reasons I don't do that is I really do want a broad audience. And so if you have – I have a little Twitter conversation going on now, and it looks pretty good. I'm, I'm pretty happy with some of the uh, – uh, <laughs> say one thing about the RNCG. Can I say those words on radio and will I get bleeped? Sydney uh, Rabbitus writes, um, you won't get bleeped. I might just scold you or I might agree with you, but you won't know what's going to happen unless you try. So if you have a violent reaction to somebody, call in, express yourself a little bit. And let's talk about like if that's the healthiest way for you to express yourself or if there's a way for you to channel that thought into a more constructive dialogue. So I don't mind starting from a place of hostility as long as people are open to um, you know, adjusting the conversation a little bit when, once we have a dialogue going, the, the tone of it. Um, I have some really interesting, fun things to play uh, for us today. Um, I'm trying to think of where to start. I am – all over the map here, but but l- let me just finish my thought, which is please call. If you are worried or nervous or skeptical or unsure or whatever, if there is anywhere inside of you an instinct 
to put your toe in the water. I I beg you, send a tweet. I'm at host Vox Populi. There's uh, 12,000 something followers, supposedly, but uh, you're among friends. If anybody attacks you, I'll race to your defense. But I think what you'll find is, first of all, I am incredibly open and accepting of all things. I don't think there is a stupid question. In fact, I think sometimes the simple questions like, why is that person speaking now? Or how do they choose this? Whatever it is, just the simplest, most banal questions about how things are organized. Sometimes I'll find out I don't, I don't know the answer to it, which means, you know, probably a lot of other people don't know the answer to it. But we have this community where, you know, I mean, I'll, let's, t let's test the theory. I've got folks listening live on Twitter right now. Let me ask, um, a question. What's a question that occurs to me? Uh, wow, congrats on your ratings, and it is a handsome face, but we want to hear what you know. Oh, that's nice. Um, let me look down, scroll down here, say one thing. Um, I've always liked the American flag colors, and those conventions have plenty of them, and the flags waving in the air. That's Earth and Blue Sky 7 in Twitter. Um, so I would love for anyone else to tweet a response to that. Do you love seeing the red, white, and blue? Does it feel a little much sometimes? Ah, here, Joe Jangles one. Can you explain briefly on your show the differences between Democrats and Republicans? As simple a question you can as you can get in this environment, but man, is it wide open and could facilitate a fantastic dialogue. So um, I'll take a if you want to if you have a thought about. Uh, explaining the differences between Democrats and Republicans, dial 323-622-8623. That's 323-622-TOAD. And offer a thought about what a Democrat is or what a Republican is or what you think the differences are. I would say, for those listening who would like to know my opinion about what the differences are, is that social issues... Things like women's reproductive rights or uh, gay marriage rights or um, a, 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 there is a there is a, a basic difference in approach to those uh, how to how to legislate or, or, or govern with regard to those ideas. Um, I would say other uh, gun control. Uh, Immigration, how to how to deal, what the order of operations is about how to deal with illegal immigration in, in the United States. Um, there are, um, but the fundamental, the primary difference, I would say, in uh, between Democrats and Republicans, has to do with the way that uh, money is collected by the government and how it's spent. In the in this sense. Um, Republicans believe, by and large, that if you lower taxes, particularly small business taxes and taxes on corporations, the taxes they pay, that that money that would otherwise have been paid to the government by those entities can be used by those entities to uh, for research and development, to create jobs, and generally speaking, to expand and grow their business. And so th Republicans, I would say, by and large, believe that 
uh, unemployment would go down, um, uh, GDP would go up, gross domestic, you know, how much stuff, goods and services we produce and facilitate would, would go up if, if that fundamental approach was different, lower taxes and spur development. Uh, I think Democrats, the big difference with Democrats is an emphasis on um, front-loading protection for um, people who uh, are on the other side of the coin, not the hirers and investors, but the hirees and the uh, – and the spender. So, so I'm not saying it very well, but basically, uh, you know, Democrats are interested in uh, protecting labor rights, whereas, and by the way, it's really uh, uh, easy to oversimplify these things. I actually did something yesterday before I went for my 10 mile run. I printed out the Republican Party platform. And what this document is, it's a document that's produced uh, – let me take it out of this thing. It's a document that's produced by the leaders of the Democrat of – the, of the Republican Party in the uh, – as, a, as a, um, a treatise, and both parties do this. Um, can you see there? And I, uh, uh, about, what they, about what they stand for. What do Republicans stand for? And this is a 60-page document. Um, it was put together by, you know, it's really interesting. You got a platform staff, which looks like it's about twelve deep, an administrative team, and a policy staff, and all these people are most of them are elected officials, governors, senators, representatives, other kind of experts in their field. And you know, this they published this thing. Republican uh, National Committee Chairman Chairman Reince Priebus. I have a little thing with him later. Uh, Chairman. Uh, Bob McDonald, co-chairman, senator. So these people work together and they, they add thoughts. And what I would say, I read the entire thing and I made notes throughout it. I would say that before people generalize about the Republican Party, it's really important to understand how the Republican Party is presenting itself. So um, a lot of people... Uh, really pay attention to certain things that happen and develop strong opinions based on decisions that are made and so forth. But I found it endlessly fascinating, because I'm kind of weird like that, uh, that in many ways, they're just very clear. And they're also kind of unabashed about leveling the accusations that they want to level. Um, so I found it, I went through and I, I tried identifying things that I thought, you know, my wife asked me, well, how do you know if that, whatever it is, is true? You know, at a certain point, the Republicans were saying that in the quiet of night, Barack Obama gutted the work need to work provision of welfare that Clinton had, had uh, put in years before it, saying that if you're receiving money, welfare money from the government, you, you have to, they called it the welfare to work program, and that somehow in this short recent short period of time that provision had been undermined by giving waivers or something like that well it's since been debunked that that's true but if somebody says that how do you know if it's true or not where do you go is there one single website is there one and um and so i went through here making a list of things you know just wondering like how is that true is that a, is that an actual true fact 
Um, there's a lot of relationship. Uh, there's a lot of talk in the Republican platform about God. A lot, God and faith, um, and and uh, so I, I I noted when I saw that a lot. Uh, there were things that seemed like code words to me. Like uh, uh, there's one sentence here: the chronic. Uh, they refer to the chronic high unemployment and the unsustainable debt produced by a big government entitlement society. Big government entitlement society. That's a pretty broad characterization. Or a positive, optimistic view of an opportunity society. So that idea, the difference between an entitlement society or an opportunity, opportunity society, um, you know, one says that if you're receiving money from the government or support from the government, uh, you're, you're you know, basically a, a leech on the system. And the other says that the government's going to do certain things to create an environment. In fact, they use that phrase, create an environment uh, where opportunity is available. And, you know, it's a little, uh, you know, it's interesting to hear how they kind of, uh, are, you know, spell out that claim. All right. So I, I wandered into the weeds there a little bit. But what I want to do now is play something. Uh, oh, let me see if there's uh, – can you explain briefly – Zero um, percent of God. There's good stuff on the uh, on the on the Twitter feed. I think people feel a little more comfortable tweeting. But let me play uh, one of the shows, MSNBC, and I toggle between all of them. If you, I, I told somebody yesterday that watching the Fox News coverage of the GOP of the Republican National Convention was like if you gave my kids a video camera and invited them to the opening of a show I was doing. So they could run around in the background and go, oh, my dad is doing this, and oh, grandma's here, and, you know, not, not really a critical view of what's happening, but certainly a behind-the-scenes uh, look at things, and, and um, there's an enthusiasm that's, that's exciting, except for when it, it, it feels really propagandized. But, but I found myself on kind of a um, – kind of a – Four to one, man, yeah, three to three, four to one ratio. You know, four things that were said felt really kind of cool and organic, and you know, even though they're of a particular point of view, they they felt authentic. And one percent, like, wow, they're just trying to cram an opinion down my. You know, they're trying to manipulate, um, which is a pretty good ratio. Um, and then MSNBC is like outside of the castle gates, screaming, trying to you know stop the uh, the the. You know, it, it's 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 hysterical. Uh, not hysterical, funny, hysterical, like wailing in a, in a uh, in a way that's not useful. You know, they they scream and yell at the choir. That's they're the the people who completely agree with them. But I, you know, in particular Rachel Maddow, who I think is so smart, I think has adopted a posture lately where it, she's just it's just hard to listen to her. I mean, I like her. I agree with a lot of what she says. I'm glad to see the people she interviews, but I find her tone is just so off putting uh, and and not helpful. You know, we can really, really hate stuff that gets done on the other side, but you still got to deal with people. Other people feel opposing viewpoints, and they're still there. So, you know, it's great to be able to have a platform where you can where you can pound your chest and and talk about the statistics that you see, but uh, that are important, and, and frame things in the way you think is important. But I don't know. You know, it's. Uh, Two wrongs don't make a right, and the Republicans and MS or the uh, Fox News folks and the MSNBC folks at this point have become, uh, you know, a lot of times caricatures of themselves, and, and it's a shame because there's a lot of smart, good people, and I wish that um, they would facilitate stronger conversation. To wit, Chris Matthews, host of Hardball, 
with Chris Matthews. Let's play hardball, he always says. Um, is uh, as his show, and he's also a guest on other MS- NBC shows from Tampa, Florida, where the convention is being held. And he has a commercial out right now that talks about respect. Um, and I'm going to play that for you real quick because it's actually kind of in line with what this show purports to stand for. So let's listen to Chris Matthews' commercial promoting his show or promoting MSNBC as a network. Here we go. Everybody knows I love a good political argument, and I love politicians who go at each other really tough. But I think we got to remember one word, that's respect. You got elected, the other guy got elected. Don't forget that. You're both elected political leaders. Respect each other and respect the people who elected you. That's really important. I agree with everything he just said. Now listen to him interview Newt Gingrich. Do you know how African Americans generally, at least the people have emailed me in the last couple of hours today, how they react to this? Do you understand they have a reaction? They think this is racial talk? That this whole thing about welfare cheats is no, just relentless I, I, I stuff. Think, I think there are a lot of people ended. in America who listen to people like you, who tell oh, them all day, I, I yeah, who them tell them this. all day, every day how, oh, how they should So it's my influence on them. You just had a panel where the guy who was black was telling the two guys who were white they were nuts. Yeah, fine. Okay. So what's and the two for? guys who were white are going, gee, why are you not more sensitive to being black? I think Michael Steele knows he's black. I don't think this no, is a no, great no, shock to him. But, no, so, but so, you can laugh about it, but you don't think that you've used it in the past. What's a food stamp president? Food stamp president's a guy whose policies are so destructive that he creates the longest unemployment since the Great Depression. And he, and he puts more people in food stamps, most of them white, yeah. than anybody else. Why do you assume food stamp refers because, to black? What kind used, of racist let, thinking let do you tell, have? Tell you why. Wait a why do you, you why. Why, you're being a racist? Let me tell you why. You assume it let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Because from the beginning of paying attention to politics. Ronald Reagan would talk about the welfare queen who was African-American. He'd talk about the young buck waiting in line. Yes, he did. He talked about the welfare queen out in Chicago. Who was African-American? Yeah. I don't believe he ever used the term. No, he didn't say he didn't have to. He also talked about, let me try this. How about the young buck waiting in line for food stamps to buy booze with? This is a history we have here. And this lingo is so clear to every African-American watch right now. So we're not allowed to tell the truth about food stamps? You chuckle about it as if it's not a game you're playing. Wait a second. We're not allowed to talk about food stamps because your sensibility tells us that 35 years ago you've got that diabolic smile of yours and I know you, you think you're winning here but everybody out there who's black or white knows exactly the game that's no, being played here <laughs> sounds to me like uh, uh, former speaker Gingrich really got under Chris Matthews skin uh, and I know that feeling in an argument where the other person kind of smirks a little bit and it just makes you furious. But it's just funny to me that uh, the the kind of combative, hostile nature of his uh, his questioning of Gingrich on his show uh, after in light of his uh, his commercial. Um, he he goes on. There's another interview that uh, was a roundtable. Were you showing pictures of him when I did that? Were you showing that there was a picture of? Uh, there's a picture of him with Newt Gingrich. You can just flash for a second while I talk about it. Um, he, uh, you know, there, it, it was, it's in Tampa. It's outside of the stadium, 
where the convention is being held, and they've sort of got you know the public arrayed behind them. And sometimes it's great to have the public behind you when you're doing these sorts of interviews because it gives it a sense of immediacy and you know being being out there among the among the masses. But those people were like you know. They really agreed, it sounded to me, mostly with, uh, with Newt Gingrich. And so it made it even more frustrating for, uh, for, for Chris Matthews to try and, uh, do his thing, which is to use his microphone to kind of bully people into a defensive posture, um, you know, where he's already comes into it with a very strong point of view and, uh, you know, very rare that he hears something that changes his perspective or where he stops and goes, oh, you know, I hadn't really thought of that. You know, he has this thing where, that he used to say called, tell me something I don't know. Uh, but it was very hard for his, you know, his, his guest to actually come up with something um, because he, he, he does know a lot. He's got a lot of experience, but he also uh, he's also kind of a know-it-all, which is no fun, particularly when somebody's smart and have a lot to offer because it ends up alienating people who are listening. Um, the uh, so there so there's that. Did you show Did you show that one for a minute? You don't have it. Uh, it says uh, Chris Matthews versus Gingrich. It's a little. That's a little thing here. Do you see another one that uh, – it's under the file, um, Vox Pop con co uh, Convention and Chris Matthews Blows Up was how I've labeled the file. Um, I'm going to play another one that was a, uh, a, a show with Joe Scarborough and that wonderful woman who always sits with him whose name I can't remember but she's very smart and very thoughtful and always offers a good counterpoint to Joe Scarborough. And Tom Brokaw was sitting there. There was another guy to – uh, there's another guy, Lance, uh, sorry, sorry, Reince Priebus, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, who is the um, Republican Party um, chairman. And he uh, – and to his left was another gentleman who I don't know who he was. And then next to Tom Brokaw was Chris Matthews. So it was this big kind of horseshoe uh, – and I, I have a picture of it there if you can find it somewhere. Um, and uh, – and, and and Chris Matthews goes after the chairman uh, of the Republican Party in uh, in this way. Uh, remember, this is the guy who said it's important to be respectful. There you go. Oh, by the way, your guy, I have to call you on this, Mr. Chairman. Yes. Oh, You've Lord. been suggesting that somehow Obama's been running a negative campaign, Obama, and, yeah. and your guy's been running a positive campaign. That's not accurate. In fact, if they both stopped all the negative, I'm not sure who would win. But they've both been negative. That cheap shot about, I don't have a problem with my birth certificate, was awful. It is an embarrassment to your party to play that card. This stuff about getting rid of the work requirement for help for welfare. Okay, I'm going to pause there for a minute because I actually also uh, grabbed the recording of the commercial that he's taught of the of the moment he's talking about on the stump, where Governor uh, Romney um, made a joke a quip about birth certificates and I just want to play it because it informs the whole conversation and then I have some thoughts about it. Uh, here's what it sounded like on the campaign. How I love being home in this place where Ann and I were raised, where both of us were born. Ann was born at Henry Ford Hospital. I was born at Harper Hospital. Hello, hello. No one's ever asked to see my birth hello. certificate. They know that this is the place that we were born and raised. Okay. Hello there. Can you hear me? How I love being home. Yes, I can. Sorry, I can sorry. Who's this? My name is Lee Phillips. Hi, Lee. Where are you, where are you calling from? From Lubbock, Texas. Lubbock, Texas? Cool. How are you guys? You yes. far enough inland from this storm? Yeah, we're way far in. We're almost in the Texas panhandle. The storm isn't going to affect us at all. We want it to affect us because we need the rain. I understand. 
So, uh, uh, were you able to hear any of the uh, the Chris Matthews, Matthews thing or the Romney joke that I just played? Yeah, I did. I heard it. What do you think? Well, I think exactly what you said. The fact that these people are not showing any respect for each other whatsoever. And what you're doing, I think, is one of the best things we could possibly do. We're bringing some rationality back to all this because it's just gotten so irrational that that liberals and conservatives can't even talk to each other. I mean, there, there's nothing to talk about because nobody will be polite. Yeah. I mean... They, Are you a Democrat or Republican? I'm a Republican. Finally! I get a good Republican calling in. I, I, I struggle to get my Republican friends to call. So, um, how are you... Have you been watching the, uh, the, the convention speeches at all? No, I have not watched any of the convention. I've heard friends of mine talk about it, and that's all I've ever done. Because even though I know it's political theater and there's some value to it, it's, it, it's just so polarized right now, and I'm kind of turned off to everything that's going on. Even though I do have Republican sentiments, I'm just kind of turned off to the to the the tone of what we're going, what we're having right now. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, I, w I would say that the three final speakers last night... Um, Gov the governor from New Mexico, uh, is it uh, uh, Martinez, Susana Martinez? Martinez? That's right. And, uh, and Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, and then uh, Vice Presidential Candidate Congressman Paul Ryan. They were all, you know, they took some, they took some hard shots at Obama. Um, some of the stuff they said was just, you know, I, I thought was, you know, I, I thought fell into the category that you're describing. But they also... I, I thought they were worth listening to. I mean, I, I think they, they laid out a vision for how they see the country going and the kinds of decisions they make, and, and their personalities kind of came through very well. And, and I, thought they, I thought they put a great face on the Republican Party. So I would, I would encourage uh, you to you know, at least you know, take a peek at some of it online and, and, and look at it. There's some, there's some good stuff in there. Well, that's exactly what my friends said. They said, if you haven't seen it, go back and look, because there is some good stuff in there. There's some, some valuable stuff that people ought to hear. And if we get to that kind of dialogue, I think that's what our political process is supposed to be about. Let's have a, a rational dialogue about it. You know, you may, dis you may personally disagree with my point of view, but that's okay. You know, but, but we can't just be so ugly and mean about it that, that, the other side is destroyed in the process. And Let me. Can I? I want to ask you. That's a, what you're going to do? I want to. Well, I'm trying. I'm trying. And and but you know what's funny is sometimes when you when you do that, people get a little bit um, uh, shell shocked because we're used yeah. to saying I can't stand that person because of this, that, and the other thing, and that we're sort of oriented to communicating that, communicating that way. But then when you say, well, what do you, what do you believe? What do you think of? Sometimes people, it's it's hard to start working that constructive thing. So let's let's use you as an experiment here. The biggest um, issue, I think, that the 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 most decisive issue, barring you know, God forbid, a terrorist attack or some collapse in the economy or something like that. I think at this point, it's reasonable to assume that the biggest issue that will affect that will hinge, you know, that that the. The, the debate, the presidential election will hinge on, is an approach to the economy, meaning you know rather, whether to lower taxes and uh, or or raise taxes on you know people above a certain uh, threshold, or whether to um, uh, t you know sort of double down on the regulations that have been happening, or that through the uh, Obama administration, or whether to relax some of those, for example, in banking, or um, you know, or, or or that that 
that sort of uh, that sort of a, approach. You know, um, do you? Ha- and and the, the way it's kind of being characterized, both by the Obama administration, is really going for a kind of um, uh, you know working class kind of emphasis. Um, the Republicans call it class warfare, but you know, just just uh, emphasizing you know how healthcare is going to affect, and healthcare is the other big one. Wh- how, what's your feeling about taxes? What's your feeling about healthcare? Do you have do you have an instinct? Do you have a feeling? Do you have a, any any uh, real knowledge about those issues, or where are you at on those? You know, taxes and um, and 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 healthcare. Tell me. Well, I'm a, I'm a strong believer in the fact that the government should not be taxing to the degree that it does today. That one of the fundamental foundational things about our country was the ability of people to go out there and to make their fortune, so to speak. You know, no, not fortune, you know, Mitt Romney fortune, or even your fortune, but more like my fortune. Um, without the government intervening and causing you economic difficulty because you are trying to reach for a higher level. So I do believe that taxation ought to be reasonable. I mean, I think that we have to have some taxation, but I, I think it has to be within the realm of reasonability. And, and I think that we, unfortunately, are going down a pathway right now where too many people are believing that they need to be a part of a governmental system that, that brings them in and um, and takes care of them. And I think a lot of people really are, are trying to, maybe that's the wrong way to say it, I, I think people, uh, some people believe that that's not the right way to go, that we should not be going down a pathway where the government is going to be the one that provides all of the, the goods for us, that we are supposed to do it ourselves. One of the things that... Uh, that the congressman uh, – oh, we've got another call here that I'm going to try and include with us. Hopefully I won't disconnect you. Hold on. Hello? Hello, hello? Hello? Hey there, who's this? This is uh, yeah. Is that Brett? Pepper. Sorry, you're cutting in and out there. Say your name one more time. You know what? You're you're cutting out. If you'd call back, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Couldn't hear that last uh, caller. How do I undo this person here? Uh, that play button? Okay, I'm back with you. Can you hear me? I can hear you, Sean. This is Lee in Lubbock. Yeah, yeah, Lee. So uh, one of the things that uh, that Congressman Ryan said in his speech last night, he, he was talking about his religion and uh, Governor Romney's religion and saying that they were um, – that they were – they were linked by a common morality, and he talked about how uh, the best civilizations are uh, characterized, are, are, are um, you know, set themselves apart by how they treat the least among them. And he talked about how important that was. How in this, in in the concept of, um, hold on, I got our phone system is weird. Hold on one second, Lee. Hello. Well, call me Joe now. Joe, how you doing, Joe? Good enough. Uh, I'm going to put Lee back on. He's going to finish a thought here, and then we'll hear you, okay? Cool. All right, Lee. I hope this works. Lee, can you hear me? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. So so he talked about uh, you know helping the least among among us. I think a lot of people draw a correlation between you know having a uh, uh, graduated scale in the taxes where the people who are uh, the most affluent pay more uh, with being able to provide – um, 
you know, assistance to people who are at the other end of the spectrum. And it seems, and maybe it's not a binary situation where it's one thing or the other, but I think a lot of people link that in their mind. So in the concept that you have, because you're obviously very reasonable, where people shouldn't be overtaxed because that's part of our, the foundation of our country. How then, how, how do you think that approach either enhances or hurts the ability of the government to reach down and help people who are at the other end of the spectrum who need assistance? Oh, that's a pretty complex and deep question to ask there. <laughs> um, because I, I don't think that, that it's a black and white answer. Um, and I'm not even sure I'm qualified to speak on it, but I'll go ahead and, and say. Does that, does that my idea of connecting those ideas, does that feel fair? Yes, it's absolutely fair. It's absolutely fair. And, and, and I mean, th that should be part of the debate. Yeah. And, and, and if we were to be sensible and reasonable about it, that would be the, what the debate is. Is, you know, how are we going to do this? Yeah. You know, how are we going to reconcile our morality of taking care of those who need to be taken care of with this other more economic thing, which is, should not be an immoral thing and, and should be a thing which still exists within the context of, of a moral system, because we still believe we're supposed to be taking care of people. Well, I think, so, I think, what you've, I think we're both saying we really need to listen close over the next two months and try and, and uh, you know, really extrapolate what people are saying. And then I guess we just have to, as voters, you just got to, you got to guess you got to guess at which thing is likely going to create the most prosperity and help the most amount of people over time. I, I guess that's where we're at. But, I, but the way you, I think you just, you know, I think you said it very well. We, we have to, it needs to be a part of the conversation and, and we need to listen closely. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Well, hey, I'm going to let you go. I just thought I'd better call in since you told us to call in. You did. Lee, thank you so much. And, and uh, take care in Lubbock there with, uh, with everyone. Tell, tell every single person in Lubbock individually that I said hi. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, All right. Lee. All right, here we go. All right, you're back on now. Tell me who this is again. Can you hear me? Joe, is it you? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, it's a little staticky. We might end up having to have you call again, but tell me what you're thinking. No, I just wanted to uh, give you some high praise on that blog you you wrote about, uh, you know, how you felt after your 10-mile run. Yeah. You know, the Purple, Majesty, Purple Mountain Majesty. Yeah. You know, we are, not many people are proud of the United States, and we should be. We don't have to love it right now. But, you know, I just charge more people with voting. Please get out there and vote if you're listening and you, and you haven't decided if you're going to vote in the upcoming election. And I just wanted to sing your high praise. You're an awesome dude. <laughs> I appreciate that. You know, I, it always strikes me, and I think both parties are guilty of it, but maybe because the Republicans are challengers, they seem even, it's, it's even more striking to me that on the one hand, they could say, this place is wrecked. You know, you, you, this is a travesty. This is the worst we've ever had it. You know, the, since the Depression, we've never had this kind of thing. So, and this is the greatest country in the world. And you're like, well, which is it? <laughs> which is it? It's both. I know it's both, but, but, uh, how would, how are you, I'm, uh, what, uh, would you, would you care to uh, share which party, if any, you you affiliate yourself with? Yeah, I'm a libertarian. Uh, I'm a libertarian, and I'm I was really pleased with uh, the vice presidential candidate's speech last night. He seems like a, a capable young man, 
uh, and I use that term young man loosely. Uh, well, he's 42. I, uh, He'd be among the youngest ever. What's that? He's 42. I mean, that's, I'm 41. He's a year older than me. That's uh, yeah. to me. And I, you know, I, I'm not, even, that, that feels pretty young, but he, but he does. He carries himself with real strength. He, uh, did you hear, did you, so you watch his speech. Did you hear the thing he said about the age, uh, the generation gap? And he said, uh, yeah. he said, you know, my, I, he says, I told Mitt that his, that his playlist, you know, that I heard it on elevators or whatever, you know, the same kind of music on elevators and, and mine starts with ACDC and ends with, uh, Led Zeppelin. I kind of, I, I thought it was really interesting because, hold on, let me get this other person on the line. I'm put you on hold for a second, sure. Joe. Hello. Hey. Hey, who's this? Uh, my name is Jody. Hi, Jody. Where are you calling from? Uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Lincoln, Nebraska. All right, can you hold for a second while I finish up with, with Joe on the other line? I sure can. All right, I want to put you on hold. Wow, this is great. We're getting good calls in. Unfortunately, with our system, I have to do, I have to like accept the call and then put it on hold. So if I disconnect you, which I don't want to do, please don't go away. I mean, please call back. Okay. Hello, hello. Hello there. Hi, who's this? Hello, hello. Um, this is Ali. Ali, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Spain. From Spain. All right. Since you're calling internationally, yeah. I want to hear your thought first, and then I'll go back to Joe, and then to then to Nebraska. Tell me what you're thinking about. Um, uh, can you hear me? I can. Let me okay. let, uh, go, uh, España. Por favor, dígame la verdad. I'm going to say that in the USA, the politicians are getting younger and younger, and um, Paul Ryan is part of the, this new this new generation of politicians. You see, who are trying to you know um, create communion with the whole people. You know. Sure. Yeah, he's trying to to build as big a uh, an audience, a big a support, a following as he as he can. So that's right. But um, I wanted to know why do uh, people always try to demonize the uh, the Republican Party? Well, I think uh, a a majority of of people who are interested in politics on both sides, the Democrat and the Republican, are really conditioned to demonize each other. Uh, and I think that Republicans get in a good habit of demonizing uh, I, I, uh, I think Democrats get in the habit of demonizing Republicans by suggesting that they don't care about poor people and working people. And I think that Republicans get in the habit of demonizing Democrats by suggesting that they're totally irresponsible about how they collect and spend money. I mean, those are, you know, sweeping generalizations. But also, some people just don't like each other. Some people, you listen to the sound of someone's voice and they just, they just get in your, you just can't stand them. Uh, and I think that happens a lot on on both sides. But hopefully, um, you know, the in terms of a, our, you know, one, one of the questions that came through on my Twitter feed a minute ago was was, you know, how do you feel that the U.S. is uh, perceived overseas? And I think it's a really interesting question right now um, because and this demonization thing I think does does seep through and it, it kind of injures our our perception. But it's we're also a very robust and healthy uh, democracy where you know by and large the the voice of the people is accurately transmitted. It's we we have problems, but you know I mean the people who run the elections seem to say that you know they 
they're mostly free and mostly fair. So I think our record is good on that. But I think, you know, when Obama was elected, the world was rejoicing uh, that, you know, there was a different approach, you know, to, to war and peace and a, and, a, and a more communicative one and a more inclusive one than uh, had been uh you know, postured by the the previous Bush administration. Uh, at this point, I don't really know. Um, but I'll tell you what, I thought Condoleezza Rice really, really made some strong points yesterday about how America is situated around the world. Just the same old problem is that a lot of times when people are talking about strength and leadership with the government, they they um, it sounds like they want to control, you know, in Syria, for example, or in Libya when that was going on or wherever they want, you know, a military option should be first or foremost, or we should be using our economic influence to really thrash European governments and into following our, our approach. And so they're attacking Obama as quote unquote leading from behind, which I'm not sure that he, he is, but, but anyhow, I mean, why don't you offer a last thought before I, I switch back to some of our uh, other callers? What, what do you, what do you think about how us is perceived uh, internationally at this point well i think that you know my point of view cannot be uh, how can i say very objective since i'm uh, from morocco and um you know i've lived uh, through the whole uh, arab revolution uh, up in africa you see yes of course the arabs we call it the arab spring yeah sure um, and uh, I think that the America, the uh, American policy about that was kind of they were just trying to, pro- to protect their own in- in- interest. I mean, they you see in uh, in Syria, thousands of people have died, and um, the U.S. government have not tried anything to stop it. Uh, while in uh, Libya, as soon as uh, the the revolution started, they send uh, military troops and stuff, right? Well, there was some air support and uh, uh, and a lot of diplomacy with Hillary Clinton uh, trying to get the others. I think it was the French mostly who uh, led the effort. The the I could be wrong on that, but if, if memory serves, it was the, it was a French on the ground uh, support. But I, you know who knows exactly? I mean, unless you're in those circles and you really know what's being said, I, I don't know that the the mass media really captures what's happening on the ground. But all right, well, listen, Morocco. I can't wait to go there sometime. Thank you so yeah. much for calling. You may be my first uh, Spanish, uh, you know, uh, Western European, uh, you know, not including England caller. So, so thank you for the call, and we'll look forward to hearing you more. And I'll be looking for you on Twitter. All right. All right. Thanks. Okay, Joe, are you back? Thank you. Joe. Joe, can you hear me? Thanks, man. Listen, last thought. I want to. I have to take a break in a minute, and I want to talk to Lincoln, Nebraska. But any last thought? I, I really appreciate the compliment, but but leave us with a good thought as we as we, I go to this last caller for before the break. Uh, uh, urge people to vote. Get get out there and whoever you vote for. I'm a libertarian. I haven't 100 percent completely decided, but I'm looking forward to hearing our, our current. Hey, would you support Ron Paul as the? Uh, would would you support Ron Paul as no. a libertarian? No, you wouldn't. No. No, I don't think he's material for president. I'd like to see four more years of attempting to to get what he promised done by our president. However, I want to hear what he has to say first. Attaboy. Good good call. Hey, Thank uh, you, Joe. By the way, call me call me Peppy. Pep Oh, you Peppy? Oh my god, I didn't even recognize your voice. Yo, okay. Uncle Pep. I love talking with you, dude. I'll talk to you again. All right, I love you, Pep. This is I actually I didn't I can't believe I didn't recognize your voice. Thank you for calling and uh and amen, brother. Amen. 
Okay, hello, hello. Hello, hello, Lincoln, Nebraska. Hi. Hey there. So we're going to talk for a second and then go to break, and if you want to keep talking, just hold on through the break. What? Tell me your name. Jody. Jody. Okay, Jody, what are you thinking about? Um, well, I've been following the platforms that have been coming out, especially um, what the media has been calling the war on women, and recently uh, the Republican announcement um, that they want to start strongly enforcing obscenity laws and Romney's affidavit he signed to ban pornography. Uh Uh-huh. So, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a a point... What benefit does this have? Well, I think that there's a... uh, There must be a feeling that you know, a certain kind of, um, listen, uh, having read through the Republican Party platform yesterday, there is a whole section about the importance of free speech and protecting free speech. I'm just trying to flick through here and and find it because there are some phrases that might, um, you know, kind of shed some light on on your feeling about it. Um, but, you know, th- there's a defense of marriage, uh, sacred con- on- contract, they say, for example, uh, the current administration is open to uh, open defiance of this constitutional principle, meaning uh, – let me back it up – a sacred contract defense of marriage. That is why congressional Republicans took the lead in enacting the Defense of Marriage Act, affirming the right of states and the federal government not to recognize same-sex relationships licensed in other jurisdictions. The current administration's open defiance of this constitutional principle in its handling of immigration cases in, in federal personnel benefits, in allowing a same-sex marriage at a military base, and in refusing to defend DOMA uh, in the courts makes a mockery of the president's uh, inaugural oath. So really, really kind of intense language that they use there. But uh, the the marriage thing being, I think, related to this idea of banning, you know, oh, here you go. Uh, The First Amendment speech that is protected uh, goes on. As a result, we support repeal of the remaining sections of the McCain-Feingold, support either uh, raising or repealing contribution limits and opposing passage of the Disclose Act or any, just bear with me for a second, I know this is kind of in the weeds here, but, or any similar legislation designed to vitiate the Supreme Court's recent decisions protecting political speech in Wisconsin, Right to Life versus Federal Election Commission and Citizens United versus Federal Election. We insist there should be no regulation of political speech on the Internet. Uh, By the same token, we oppose governmental censorship of speech through the so-called fairness doctrine or by government enforcement of speech codes, free speech zones, or other forms of political correctness on campus. So I think there's a lot of codes in there for um, being able to spend a lot of money to put ads on on the airwaves. But, uh, you know, that language would seem to argue against what you were talking about. I'm sure there's there's other stuff. I'd love it if on Twitter people would point out the language that's in the platform or point out or you know add links of that. Um, listen, people who have a very particular worldview, a religious worldview, uh, a cultural, a, a moral, a feeling of moral uh, rectitude. I'm not going to say superiority because uh, I don't think that's 100% fair, but but it's probably accurate in a lot of cases. Feel like pornography, feel like violent video games, feel like these kinds of things that are out there hurt children and their their growth and their development and that it is uh the 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 culturally we do well to try and you know kind of upscale our our thinking and our and our art and everything else uh you and i i think agree completely that people ought to regulate themselves and people should have the right to have legal uh 
you know, adult material and legal, um, you know, there's, there should just be all the, the warnings, you know, so that parents and so forth can help make educated decisions for their kids. And, you know, I'm a big one for, for actual free speech. So if what they, if that language that I just read in the Republican platform is true, then I think they're doing a good job. If it's not true, like you suggest, I think people need to be vigilant and understand what, kinds of strengthening of what kinds of uh, laws might actually happen under that administration. So it's a good thought. Do you have another thought aside from the uh, the uh, the annoying clampdown of civil liberties that you were describing? Well, and but how does their, you know, we're, we're not going to use religious superiority complex, to be fair, but how does that align with separation of church and state that is guaranteed in the Constitution. Man, great question to go to break on. Um, go ahead and go to break, Johnny Ice, and we'll be back. I'm going to answer a couple of other calls and try and get everybody on hold and doing that the right thing. If you want to stay on, it's Sarah, right? Jody. Uh, Jody, gosh, I don't know why. You said your name three times. Jody, if you want to hang in there, hang in, okay? Okay. Hello? Go ahead to, to break Hello? if you want, Johnny. Hello, who's this? Hi. Hi, this is Ross Matthews. How are you? Hey, good. How are you doing? I'm great, thank you. I, I was told to call in to chat with you because I am uh, calling um, from the uh, Republican National Convention. And I'm so excited. Uh, my 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 news my my uh, engineer just stopped the commercial break and said, "Talk to her." <laughs> so I'm thrilled. Thank you for calling in. How's it going in Tampa? Oh my God! You know, it's actually it's great. You know, the Republicans are all here. We've been talking to everybody, and uh, it's you know it's really interesting. I I'm, gonna, I'm covering both the Republican and the Democratic National Convention, and um, this, they're very different, you know. But uh, I had a great sit down. I had a great interview with John McCain yesterday, and I sat down with Cindy McCain and Megan McCain this morning, and it's really interesting, you know. It's we don't agree on a whole lot, but it was really wonderful to sit down and just have this wonderful, fantastic conversation, and we got along. And I sort of thought, why can't they do this in Congress or in Senate? Why can't they like? Well, how did you approach that interview? I mean, were you were you just asking about how he felt about the experience, or did you dig into issues? I mean, how did you how did you? I, it seems to me that that you set the tone for how that goes. Well, you know, it was really interesting. I was I was a little nervous because you don't know how that's going to go. And he actually walked up, and I'm reporting for E News. And if you want to see, you can watch tonight, seven p.m. and uh, on E News. Seven, and, seven p.m. on E News. We can watch your interview. Okay. Yeah. So uh, he, he walked up and he was like, oh, hey, he was like a big fan of mine. He said he watches me on Chelsea lately all the time and he loves E. And it was just like, I have to say that threw me for a loop. But it really opened up a fun sort of conversation. I told him I had a friend crush on his daughter, Megan, and he said I could take Megan out because he knew I was an honorable young man and I promised to have her home by by midnight, you know. And it was really, really funny. He said uh and I think he was impressed with how much I know. People don't think that I'm a political junkie, but I am. And he said I should uh, moderate the next presidential debate. So who knows? Maybe I will. Wow. All right. So, I mean, I, I'm just trying to imagine the green rooms or the the press pens or, like, how, how are you um, – are, are you are – you, how are you moving around there? What's it, what's it like to, to physically move around at the convention for you? Well, there's, there's two places. There was where the convention, where the convention floor is, and where the speaker's – to give their speeches that's at the forum and right next to that is the convention center where all the media from all over the world really is housed and uh i work with e and nbc so we have a, a section there with nbc news and e news 
And then what we do is we so we go back to our war room, if you will, come up with what our next segment is, and then all, every day we're just out there. What's next? We find this thing like I just um this morning I woke up. I interviewed our Ariana Huffington at uh, the Huffington Post Oasis. And then I came back. Did you get a massage out. there as well? I totally got a massage. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I heard like, her talking about that. A free massage. So did you talk to her about the speeches, or were you talking about her, what the Oasis was all about? You know, we talked about what the Oasis is all about. Of course, they want to get all these things out, all their sponsors. But I asked her about Donald Trump. She said, anyone's welcome. I said, would Donald Trump be welcome? Because uh, he just said some really nasty things about her in the press, about how ugly she is. That's his words, of course. He always seems to go there. Whenever he gets an argument with a woman, he attacks their looks, which is sort of despicable. But um, she could, she wouldn't crack. She wouldn't talk about it. She wouldn't talk. She wouldn't say yes or no. No. In, in, instead, she answered by introducing me to a uh, another sponsor. Huh. It was, well, it was a little bizarre. She just sort of glossed over it. Hey, she ran for governor. She knows her way around uh, a, a a press question. You know <laughs> what? Okay. So who? So who else have you gotten? I mean, I'm I'm so excited, Ross, that you're calling in, man. This is I, I wanted my audience to feel like we had some sort of like actual toe in at the convention. So you're you're. I'm just wanting to suck the marrow out of your your experience. Who else have you gotten? Well, I'll tell you, and of course I called in because I'm fellow Telehop family. You know, Josh Wolf and I host a show from 7 to 9 on, um, on Tuesday. So uh, I, I actually did the show at my hotel here after I got here. And we went to on uh, day one of the campaign of, of the Rock the Vote campaign this year. We actually got a tour of the bus and got to see how all that worked. And uh, I spoke to Heather, who's in charge of, she's the president of the organization. You know, they're responsible, they claim, for registering 5 million voters. And it's, it's just, like, incredible. You think about that. And um, they kicked the campaign off here in Tampa, and now they're traveling all over. So that was my first interview, and it was, it was really just fascinating to think. You know, I asked her, if you lean one way or the other, I'm not sure which way, but I'm a, I'm a Democrat, but I, the, my show is all about being open and even and fair and getting everybody's point of view. And I, I love listening to uh, my Republican friends and, and like really, you know, keeping them honest when I feel like that's necessary, but also learning from their position. So, I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty good political. I think I'm good for the conversation, if you, if, you know, so to speak. But but uh, so go on. Well, I think you I think you have to be. That's actually a really great point. And what I was asking her is, do you, do you ever like. Uh, regret registering some voters because you know they're going to cancel out whichever way you lean. And she said, "No, I just want I just want people to vote. Register either way." So that was a great refreshing answer. And then to your point, and like I said earlier, hanging out with McCain because I, you know, I lean left too as a flaming homosexual. I kind of have to. I don't really have another choice. But I, I, you know, to sit down with them and to find common ground just in humanity. You know, I talked about to Cindy McCain about the last election and how personal it got, and. Um, she even said someday she wanted to take a plate and throw it against the wall, and she wanted to quit all the time. I'm sure. She just hated it. I'm and sure. And she does still hold a grudge against the Obamas. And you think about these people, position, as, a, as a, a voter, I don't remember to think about them as a person. You know, we, we, we hold signs that say, screw that candidate, screw that candidate, that person's evil. But at the end of the day, they're just people. And I know that's so cheesy. I hear myself. But to sit down and look at, look at the face of a woman who had been through this four years ago. Um, and, you know, when I asked what advice she would give Amna Romney right now, knowing exactly where she is, do you know what she said? Um, get sleep. Actually, she said take 
a day off. There you go. <laughs> See, I could money. be married to one of the candidates. <laughs> Wait, so let me let me ask you. So, do you or do you support gay marriage? Oh me? Oh my gosh, totally, absolutely. I one hundred percent. And you know who else does is uh, Megan McCain. I know, but the the reason I ask is because I've just been reading some of the uh, Republican Party platform to the to my listener viewers, and it's a very strong plank about wanting to support Defense of Marriage Act and and constitutional right for people to. So you're able, knowing full well that these are people that would vote in a heartbeat to uh, change a constitution to reflect something that's completely against you. You can still have a positive human interaction with them and 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 recognize the constructive value they may have in other areas? You know, it's not easy. Uh, it's a unique position to have seen what I have seen. You know, I have been in a convention hall with 20,000 people. This is my second Republican National Convention with 20,000 people chanting about taking my civil liberties away. And that's a unique thing to have to witness and to just to feel on a human level. But I think, you know, I'd be just as bad as them if I didn't try to humanize them in some way. And, you know, when I was sitting down with Megan McCain today, I asked her about that thing. I said, you know, you're a new breed of Republicans, and you have to admit that the, the platform, which you're referencing, is so antiquated, so old, so seems like yesteryear. And I Oh, it's not, it's not yesteryear. It is absolutely happening right now, and like 32 states have already made, passed constitutional amendments. But anyway, but I, I, I hear what you're saying. Tell me, I want to let you well, go. Let, but me tell you, let me tell you what, I just want to tell you, I got her to admit, this is the daughter of last election's uh, Republican nominee, she says the Republicans are on the wrong side of history on this issue. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I mean, it's good. I mean, it's good in terms of. Um, I mean, that's a that's a position I feel strongly about. But the, I want you to tell the listeners before we get off. You're on. Are you on? You've got a radio show on the Toad Hop Network, which is called. Tell me the name of it. It was Josh and Ross Radio. Jo Josh. Josh. Josh and Ross Radio, which is on Tuesdays at seven to nine p.m. on Toad Hop at Network. We're both from Chelsea lately. It's a he said he said kind of show. It's really hilarious. Chelsea, she's fantastic. I I, I was interviewed by her once, and she was just so uh, smart and on it, and and uh, and great. great. Listen, Ross, I'm so grateful that you called into the show, and I wish you um, a great experience with whoever else you talk to, and and you know soak it up. It's American history. You're living living the dream. And when you come back to L. A., if you want to come in and and sit down, I would love to spend you know a ton of time with you. Really, you. Know, hearing about your experience and 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 like that uh, I, I so thank you so much for calling of course and maybe we can even chat next week uh, i'll be calling in from charlotte at the north at the democratic national commission so you're my man on the ground okay. you're my man on the scene i love it i am your roving reporter love it love it love it all right well i'll make sure that i get from the toad hop guys your uh your number or something and we can communicate a little between now and then and, and just have a great rest of your your day and night tonight and and we'll talk soon Thank you. And everybody watch the coverage tonight, E! News, 7 p.m. and the rest of the week as well, okay? E! News, 7 p.m. tonight to see Ross interview uh, Senator McCain and his family tonight. Excellent, excellent, excellent. I I'm going to watch it, and I hope everybody else does too. All right, thanks. And talk to you all soon. Bye. Bye. All right, I think we're going to take a much-needed uh, uh, commercial break, but man, am I happy about the way this show is going. I'm going to jump on Twitter for a couple minutes. Bye, everybody. See you in a minute. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching.
The Soda Stream Soda Maker is fun as hell. The kids are going to love it. There's 50 different flavors, and it's healthy. There's no fructose, corn syrup, or aspartame. So pick one up at Bed Bath & Beyond, Target, Macy's, Kohl's, and Walmart. Or just go to SodaStream.com. Hey everybody, Sean Astin here, host of Vox Populi, voice of the occasionally interested people on the Toad Hop Network. Johnny Ice working the boards, and we've been having a great talk today. That song I just played was by Joseph Monahan, who tweeted me a link to YouTube that had it playing today when I was asking for people to pay attention, and uh, and I just thought it was fantastic. So I decided to um, play a couple of, uh, of uh, beats of it right there. So good for you, Joseph. I hope you enjoyed hearing it. Uh, let me answer a phone call we've got coming in. Hello, hello, who's this? Jody and Lincoln, we got disconnected. Ah, oh, Jody, so sorry about that. You asked a fantastic question. What, what? Answer your own question if you can. Uh, my own question about uh, how the Republicans were not calling it uh, religious superiority or smugness and how that connects 
to the constitutionally guaranteed separation of church and state. So let's hear your let's hear your thought on on. Obviously, you th- oh, you obviously you you well, think it doesn't. You think it's hypocrisy is clearly what you're getting at. I would have called it double think because I was going to use a nicer term, but I honestly <laughs> don't know. I I really don't. I don't know how how they justify it. I think they think they're right, and I think they believe that the laws don't apply to them because they don't think the rules will ever. They're not going to get arrested, so the laws, the consequences won't ever hit home. Well, uh, as I read through the Republican Party platform, um, God was invoked regularly. Um, Faith, uh, values, um, values, family values as... um, I don't know, as, as articulated by a very um, – by, by a Christian approach, I would say is a fair way to, to say it. You know, there's, there's much emphasis, including in um, Congressman Ryan's speech last night, about how the – it's really important. Um, they would argue – he argues and they, they mostly argue that uh, it's, it's critical to remember that the Constitution – that the freedoms that are enumerated in the Constitution are derived from God. That's how the Founding Fathers described it. This is, this is the point of view. Um, and so – Except Thomas Jefferson was a deist. Uh, yeah, but he wasn't the only one who had a hand on that – who had a pen on that – on those documents. <laughs> but the um, – but, you know, I, endowed by our creator – is a uh, is a really powerful concept um, when you think of saying that it's universally true that everybody has a right to be alive and free from persecution and to pursue their faith the way they want to. It's a it's a powerful idea, but when people use that concept as a as a way to uh, orient themselves to. Yeah, it's it, it may it may it, it problematizes things for a lot of people and for you and and uh, for me sometimes. So I think that the the devil, uh, to invoke another religious concept, is uh, is in the details. And you know, there's a lot of uh, Supreme Court and other kind of law that that speak to these issues. You know, I, I think about the constitutional amendments and and uh, it's it's a conversation that I think it's wrong to dismiss out of hand. Even though I use the word hypocrisy to kind of try and answer your to you know to put a thought in your mouth that you that you didn't say, but um, but but I think it's it's wrong to dismiss out of hand for secularists uh, or atheists or anybody who holds a di- divergent viewpoint to dismiss out of hand the, the merit of what's being said, and at the same time, I think that conservatives really would do the conversation and probably their own case uh, better. If the conversation was was more open, um, and people could talk about um, why they want you know God uh, you know uh, under God in the Pledge of Allegiance, or why they want prayer in schools, or why they want you know and to and to not just communicate their own point of view, but to listen about why other people why it makes other people uncomfortable. And I think the people who are made uncomfortable by it, or the people who who have a just a all out, you know, hatred towards the concept like Bill Maher, uh, a vitriolic kind of, you know, unabashed antagonism towards it. I think it'd be better if instead of he, I mean, he he plays a certain role 
uh, and he's really smart, and I really I watch his show religiously, haha. But the um, <laughs> but the but if instead of castigating people and using the talking snake uh, kind of thing as a way of trying to humiliate other people or or dismiss them, if he was to really sit down and and hear where people are coming from and look for common ground, and then you know at least figure out where where do people really actually disagree when it gets down to it, and then and then you know. Let people decide which way they want to vote based on a... a, a well, it, I think it's dangerous. Well, and I, I, I'm Jewish, so I think it's very dangerous ground. But even looking at it from a Christian point of view, which Christian point of view? It's extremely tricky to define it by any from anybody's standpoint. Well, I think you've got to start where... Um, by the way, I'm flying tonight to go give a speech at a synagogue in the Hamptons. Um, so I'm going to be speaking to a lot of... Uh, um, Good Jewish congregant soon. Hold on. Let me answer this call so it doesn't go away. Don't go anywhere. Hello, hello? Hello? Hi, who's this? This is Jessica. Who's this? Jessica, my name is Sean Astin, and you are live on my radio show. How are you doing today? I am not. Is this a scam? No, no. It's you calling in. You, you got th- you, Do you know who you're calling? Do you know why you're calling? Because uh, I saw you on Facebook, and I love you. <laughs> that is awesome. All right, I'm going to put you on hold and talk to this uh, young lady from uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. If you develop a political thought about the convention, the Republican convention, when I come back, I'd love to hear you share it. And if you don't, then I'll see you on Facebook. Okay. Okay, so hang deal. on. Hang on. <laughs> deal. Nice. Hello, hello. Are you back? Um, all right, we're back. Cool. Okay, so what I was going to say was that I thought – you know, you got to start from a place where there's common agreement among a particular persuasion. And so the Defense of Marriage Act is a great kind of catch-all because, uh, you know, Baptist, Methodist, whatever, you know, m- most Christians would lo- – I would say – not all Christians, um, but I think it's fair to say a, a preponderance of Christians would look at the uh, the Defense of Marriage Act as something that they would support and, like, sh- start a conversation from there. Um, you know. Give me a last thought, and then I'm going to jump off and do some other fun stuff. Hi. Thanks, uh, thanks for chatting with me, Sean. I've been in love with you since Encino, man. Why? <laughs> please, please, please be a presence on Twitter. And, and uh, uh, tell me, so you, uh, and, uh, what's your handle on Twitter? Uh, I'm actually not on Twitter. I'm a Facebook lurker. Okay, good. Well, then I'll look for you on Facebook. All right. Thank thanks you so much for calling. Bye for now. All right. Uh, and then my... Um, my my other person jumped off. So okay, I want to share something with you, um, my, the Vox Populi viewer listeners. On Twitter, I think on August thirteenth or fourteenth, I did a huge campaign to try and raise some money for the show. My real goal is I want to hire a full time producer, and I want to do some other things. Um, and so we did. Uh, we have these wonderful wristbands. Do you have that picture to throw up? Go go to um, Vox Populi Radio dot. Com and you can throw up the picture with uh, with the wristbands and the uh, the, the headshot there. Um, and I, I basically said for twenty bucks, um, you know, I'll send you a, a Vox Populi Civil Discourse band, which you'll see up there in a minute. Yeah, there you go. That's what they look like. Those uh, silicone bands, kind of like the Lance Armstrong band, uh, and a and a personalized autograph photo down there in the lower right of the premiere episode of the show from our old studio at at uh, Universal City Walk. And I raised about a thousand bucks, so I was really, really in twenty dollar increments. So that was um, that was awesome. Um, 
it wasn't enough to hire a segment producer, but what I did do, I wanted to do something with that money, and there was a, a piece of equipment that I wanted, and I have it here. This wonderful piece of technology, it's a handy recorder. Um, it's called the Zoom. A hand, handy recorder, let me show you it there. Look at that. It is the professional four-channel stereo, you know, whatever, handicap. And this is the one that the journalists use when they go into uh, press junkets or they go into uh, into the field to have roving interviews. And uh, so I bought it. It was a few hundred bucks, and I bought the tripod that you see, and I bought um, – Oh, just a, a lot of little bits and pieces that go with it. Uh, and I just love it. I love that this piece of equipment is sitting in my hands as a direct result of your support of the show and what I'm doing and what we're trying to accomplish with the show. So in order to show you that it was, uh, that there was utility to it, I walked outside. Our new st uh, studio is on, uh, Sunset Boulevard, uh, uh, sorry, Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, there's a building and right at Hollywood La Brea. And I walked down right towards the, um, uh, the Wax Museum. Um, and I can, and I went into Starbucks and I got a Starbucks and there were two guys, African American, really tall, and they were talking basketball. Um, they looked like right out of central casting of a couple guys you'd think of talking about, uh, about basketball. And I had asked a, one guy when I was watching, he said, I wouldn't look at those convention things if, uh, if I was, if it was the last show on television. Those are stupid, you know, and, and, uh, a number of the people I talked to were from other countries and didn't speak English. And, but I found myself standing waiting for the coffee and looking over at these two African American guys. And, and I was like, uh, have you guys been watching the Republican convention at all? And the one guy was like, no. And the other guy, probably 6'2, I wish I would have taken a picture of him to throw it out there, was, uh, said, whoa. And he kind of, he, he paused. And I couldn't tell what his feeling was. And I started thinking like, wow, I think I like embarrassed this guy or something because he would think it's something he's supposed to look at and he, and he hadn't or, and I'd like put him on the spot or something. I didn't know what to think. Um, but, and just I was ready to sort of apologize for interrupting them while they were having their conversation. He said, well, I did. And I held up my, I held up the thing and I was like, um, can I record this because I'm doing a radio show and I really want people to hear what you have to say. And he looked at me like, I don't know if I want to be responsible for what I would, you know, for going on the record with politics or whatever. But, uh, he did. And so I pressed record and this is the impromptu interview, the first, the inaugural interview with the new handy technology that you paid for. Uh, and it was about the, convention and the speeches yesterday the Republican convention and here's what it sounded like enjoy all right so I asked if you uh, had caught any of the convention coverage and you were about to say something no I caught a little bit of it the I think the when Ann spoke yeah I caught a little bit of it that that day and just it's real frustrating listening to it because it's just a whole bunch of the rhetoric and you know, saying what the Democrats haven't done, what Obama hasn't done, and kind of a, a beat up on Obama, you know, convention or anything. And they haven't really, you know, offered any resolutions or strategies of what they would do if they were in office. So would you have any, would you be open to other expectations? I mean, if they had something to say that was, uh, you know, criticisms that weren't just kind of like out of the blue, if they were real legit criticisms, would you yeah. be open to hearing about them? A absolutely. I think... It goes to both parties. I mean, let's put aside all the political antics and let's get down to, you know, the nuts and bolts of what's going on with our economy. And you know, I think it's, you know, I think it's, uh, I don't know, Obama, you know, I think he put in some things to help the economy and, and get us on the right track. At the same time, I don't think the Republican has, has helped him in any way, you know, from the House part. And um, 
So I would like to hear, you know, facts and strategies on what the Republicans' plan is. And I would like to also hear the Democratic plan for the next And what, and what about, Governor Romney's going to talk tonight. Do you, do you have any... Uh, Oh, do you have any expectation that he'll that he'll offer any of those kinds of details you're listening for? I mean, from what I heard this, this morning on the news of what his speech is going to be about, it's probably more of an introduction to the American public to know, you know, show who he is. I mean, I doubt, I'm not, you know, anticipating he's going to give us any insight on that, but more so of a bio of who he really is. Um, like I said, I just wish the Republicans, so I can give them a fair chance, you know, because I think a lot of times uh, with the Tea Party and all these different, you know, lies that they're telling. I'd like to hear exactly what the strategy and plan is. Condoleezza Rice gave a great speech last night. I thought mm -hmm. she was uh, seemed very. Uh, she was stateswoman. Um, but all right. Well, I uh, I really appreciate you offering your your thoughts and. Um, yeah, I wish I could, I wish I'd find you on uh, Hollywood the next day so I could hear what you thought of it if you could catch any of it. You know, and, oh, last question. Last question. Do you think the conventions? are relevant. I mean, if there's no way, I mean, do you think that what you just said, him introducing himself to the public, you know, is that is that a meaningful thing to do? Is it, is it necessary in the process? I guess it's a formality, but at the same time, I would rather just, like, on a debate format or somewhere where, you know, you, you watch the show, The Newsroom? Yeah. I, would, I wish politics was more, you know, closer to that. Straight, you know, honest, straight on, hardcore. Straight honest, hardcore questions when different politicians aren't telling necessarily the truth. Somebody to question know what they're saying and I think I think the American public would love to see more of a, a reality or a, a real Q&A. I think you're right. Thanks very much. Where are you from? Uh, Louisiana. Louisiana. Good luck to your family if they're back there. Yeah. All right, thank you. Thanks man. How awesome is that? Loved that interview. Um, okay I want to play something from the speech uh, from the convention last night. From the state of New Mexico, the first Hispanic female governor in the history of the United States. Please welcome Governor Susana Martinez. Thank you, and good evening. Before I begin tonight, let's keep in our prayers the families impacted by the storm affecting the Gulf Coast. If you haven't done so already, please donate to the Red Cross. To find out more about how you can help those affected by Hurricane Isaac, hello? please visit redcross.org backslash hello, hello? give. Hello? Hey, who's this? I am Susana Martinez. On behalf of the great state of New Mexico, let me express my gratitude for being invited to speak tonight. You showing her picture? Yeah. Growing yeah. up, I never imagined a little girl from a border town could one day become a governor. But this is America. In America, todo es posible. Todo es posible. Es la verdad. My parents taught me to never give up and to always believe that my future could be whatever I dreamt it to be. Success, they taught me, is built on the foundation of courage, hard work, and individual responsibility. Despite what some would have us believe, success is not built on resentment and fear. We grew up on the border 
and truly lived paycheck to paycheck. My dad was a Golden Gloves boxer in the Marine Corps, then a deputy sheriff. My mom worked as an office assistant. One day, they decided to start a security guard business. I thought they were absolutely crazy. We literally had no savings. But they always believed in the American dream. So my dad worked to grow the business. My mom did the books at night. And at 18, I guarded the parking lot at the Catholic Church bingos. Now, my dad made sure I could take care of myself. I carried a Smith & Wesson 357 Magnum. <laughs> that was awesome. I carried a Smith & Wesson 357 Magnum. I'm like, but you're just a little lady. Surely like a Glock would have been better for you. It's lighter, you know, but... Anyhow, uh, a really impressive lady. I, I really enjoyed listening to her personal biography. I saw her interviewed earlier. She was making a point on one of the news shows that she thought President Obama should have suspended campaigning uh, during the uh, the sweet spot of – not the sweet spot, but the, the, the most you know dangerous time of the hurricane. And I thought maybe she was right about that. Um, she made a forceful case anyway. So put a great um, case uh, – a great face on the uh, – the GOP party. I'm going to play something else I didn't like last night. Uh, I'm just going to... It's Huckabee. I really thought his speech was petty and undignified. I'm just going to spot myself in here. The Take United States of America was originally an experiment. But it was an experiment... Good stuff there. ...versus an energized America who knows economy that has taken all that hope right down the slope. And has left millions without jobs. You got Huckabee up? Forced out of their homes by foreclosure. Herded into dependency upon hello? a government that promises hello, hello? handy. Hi, who's this? But gives us cavities. Hello? Barack Obama seems intent on enrolling Sorry, hold on one people sec. on food stamps. Mitt Romney's focus is going to be on generating more Can you hear me now? that will make food stamps unnecessary for them. Can you hear me? We I can hear you now. Tell me your name. We can do better. Oh, I can hear you now. It's Jessica. Hey, Jessica. Okay, you got a thought for me about politics? Um, are you doing this today or also tomorrow, every day? It's uh, Thursdays, 12 to noon, Pacific Standard Time. Um, yeah, two hours once a week. You're cutting out. Jessica, can you hear me? Yes, is this really Sean Austin? It really is. Quick, give me a thought, because we're listening to Huckabee on the other line, and he's about to say something I don't like. <laughs> Are you a Republican? I'm a Democrat, actually, but the show is very even, open to all viewpoints, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Green Party, you know. Oh, I'm really glad. Yeah. Are you running for something? I'm running for trying to help the world by facilitating good conversation. I think that's wonderful. Thank you. I think you're great. Thank you. Say something. I'm not really too Okay, say that again. I'm not really too keen on politics, but I really wanted to call and talk to you and just tell you that I think you're great, that you're getting involved. I appreciate that. Tell me, it, it, were you ever focused on politics or just never grabbed your uh, grabbed your eye? I think I was interested once I hit my 30s, um, because that's the age you typically start caring, but then it, I was turned off to it because my parents were peace-loving hippies. 
and I don't like to see people fight and argue, and it gets very heated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I suppose we could uh, be great if we had a talking stick and you could get, you know, people of a strong religious persuasion listening to people who, you know, I don't know. It's it's the combative element, the element where people, you know, the politics, capital P politics with a, an X on the end of it, where people are about destroying each other's reputations to, to get power. That's awful. But the sharing of ideas and the co competition of ideas is, is one that I think, um, you know, the governing happens by those who show up so uh, you know i i love i was raised in a, a very liberal environment and my parents weren't hippies but i certainly uh, identify with a lot of uh hippie culture um but but uh so uh, so do you have i mean have you paid any attention to this uh republican con convention that's happening no not particularly why don't you tell me a little bit more about it well, once every four years, the political, the national political parties uh, hold a, a, a big party, uh, and they're so big now that they're in the uh, they're in stadiums, and it actually there's a, a a legal function to them where the votes that have been cast in primaries are um, filtered up from their local communities, and they end up in a, a kind of uh, the states send a delegation full of their the people who are going to cast votes on the floor of the convention that represent should represent the votes that were cast in their in their local communities and so each it's kind of a formal process it's not kind of it is a formal process where in order for a particular candidate to get their party's nomination they um which is like which is a legal thing it's not just you know everybody's cheering for them it's actually a a, a, a kind of a binding legal relationship to the uh, to a legal party um you know regulated by federal law in the case of a presidential and they stand there and they stand up and they vote you know I'm from Nevada and I we cast our however many votes uh for this person and sometimes in years past it's very close and and the outcome sometimes it'll go to a second and a third and a fourth ballot where you really don't know who's going to get the nomination the the future president of the United States can be determined you know, in the, in the last minute, they they used to be very very exciting to watch. Now mostly it's all decided ahead of time, and it's really about political theater where they stand up and give speeches, where they rally the people who really support them, and they 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 espouse ideas and beliefs that they want to be carried forward throughout the campaign. And and uh, it's it's amazing. It's a, an opportunity for the media to really get access to people, and it's uh you know it's it's a pageant, uh, and both big parties have them and. And um, so tonight is there is the uh, their marquee event where Governor Romney will formally accept the nomination for um, the Repo for president for the, the the Republican Party, and he'll give a big speech. And you know, given that you haven't been paying attention, I would love it. Are you on Facebook? Are you on Twitter? Or both? Oh, I'm definitely on Facebook. That's where I heard about this. Okay. So what I would love for you to do, I would encourage you to watch some of the speech either live or, you know, there's a million different places you can you can check on it and and see if you have you know, if you can't stand it for more than 30 seconds, you know, or you, you watch half of it or the, the whole thing or you have an opinion about any one particular thing or uh, an impression or something like that, jump on and uh, and share it. And we'll uh, maybe we'll talk about it next week or we'll just we'll we'll kind of free associate about it on uh, on on Facebook. Does that sound like a plan? For you, of course, I'll do it. Ha! Excellent. All right, dragging you, dragging you into the system. I'm going to jump onto another call. I look forward to interacting with you on Facebook. Yay, thank you. Bye for now. Hello, hello. Wait. 
Hello. Oh, lost it. Okay. Please call back. Let's see if I can get one of the things about Romney's speech I didn't like. Not Romney, excuse me, pardon me, uh, Huckabee. So that's all good. As a kid growing up in a household, people wonder whether guys like me and evangelical would only support... I'm clicking to the parts of his speech that were good, but there's some... Or there were some jokes that written, were written by, like, you know, fired Four SNL ago, comics. Mitt Romney and I were opponents. We still are. All right. Well, this is how I suffer not having edited ahead of time. But anyhow, well, I thought Huckabee, so a lot of what he said was really, the jokes were just kind of fell flat. And, and I just thought he was trying to carry party water that just wasn't very good. And, I, you know, I've always thought he was a sensible guy, but I didn't like that. Let me play something. Let me play uh, Connelly's Rice, um, whose speech I thought was fantastic. Let me play a little bit of her. America stand. Oh, yeah, let me back up that up. That's good. Security, we're never the same again. He's just talking about 9 11 and how and we weren't the same after. The global financial and economic crisis would stun us. And it still reverberates as we deal with unemployment and economic uncertainty and bad policies that cast a pall over an American economy and recovery that is desperately needed at home and abroad. And we have seen, we have seen that the desire for liberty and freedom is indeed universal as men and women in the Middle East rise up to seize it. Yet the promise of the Arab Spring is engulfed in uncertainty. Internal strife and hostile neighbors are challenging the young, fragile democracy of Iraq. Dictators in Iran and Syria butcher their people and threaten regional security. Russia and China prevent a response, and everyone asks, where does America stand? Indeed, indeed, that is the question of the hour. Where does America stand? You see, when friends or foes alike don't know the answer to that question unambiguously and clearly, the world is likely to be a more dangerous and chaotic place. So, I mean, you can just hear it. I mean, she just sounds like an important figure on the world stage. I think it's a very fair question. Where does the United States of America stand? And her assertion that if people don't know it, it's more likely to be a dangerous place. It's all very reasonable. You know, and, and during the administration, when she was serving as Secretary of State, there was a lot more bombastic uh, rhetoric that would come out of it. Uh, you know, just these platitudes and certitudes that didn't make sense to me at all. But now, in this moment, you know, President Obama and Secretary Clinton are doing an awful lot of diplomacy that may not be uh, transparent. A lot of it is, you know, if, if it happened publicly, people wouldn't – they might not be able to get as much out of uh, in terms of agreements or cooperation or understanding uh, from people if they felt like they had to be internationally responsible for what they were saying or thinking. They'd have to posture more with their people. So I think sometimes a clandestine – maybe that's not a good word, maybe uh, – but a, a more um, discreet way of conducting international relations when we have no intention or – or, uh, you know, real uh, <sighs> proclivity to jump in boots on the ground in Syria, boots on the ground in Iran. You know, are we going to really go to war with North Korea? Like, 
we don't, our military, every, this is the other thing that really bothers me uh, about the way that um, Republicans are talking about it. Everyone in the defense industry, in the, in the defense department, from generals and admirals to secretaries uh, on both, in both parties, everyone knows that the United States uh, defense spending is too high. And now Republicans are using this age-old subtle insinuation that Democrats are willing to either intentionally or inadvertently compromise the security of our nation by, quote-unquote, gutting the military. And even Senator McCain has identified that a lot of military spending – uh, is worth r reviewing for possible uh, reduction. So I would just love it if anytime somebody says, you know, oh, they're going to gut the military, you cry foul and say, no, no, no. That is not helpful to the nation to create a binary uh, description. Either you're for spending the exact same amount or more, or you're for crippling us. No, no, no. We need to have conversations about how many aircraft carriers are right, how many, what kind of missiles we really want, what, how many, what's the end strength of the army, how many soldiers do we really want ready to be deployed around the world. You know, it's a balance. And we have to, have to, have to uh, have a more sophisticated conversation. So uh, shame on my Republican friends for invoking that uh, you know, post-Vietnam era antagonism towards people. And, you know, beware, my fellow Democrats, of falling into an old way of communicating about it. We need a strong national defense. We want to retain superiority around the world. Peace Peace through strength is uh, a great idea um, in a dangerous world. But we saw what happened in the Soviet Union throughout the Cold War, and we certainly don't want to eviscerate our own domestic strength and compromise a growing working class. Uh, you know, great jobs in the, in the defense Industries, great. It's a great way for people to work hard and, and earn a living and pay for their families and kids through college and their retirement and stuff. So great, all that's good. But just you know, let's be sure we're honest. So that's Secretary Rice. Uh, she goes on and has some great, great lines. But uh, I want to hit now. Um, I'm not going to go to Tim Pawlenty because I'll probably have the same problem I did finding it. I thought Rick Santorum was really strong in his speech, but let me go to Paul Ryan, Secretary Ryan, and hear. Uh, and hear from him, Rick Santorum, Palenti, Huckabee, Martinez. All right, here we go. Paul Ryan, let's hear something. He had a couple of great things. Mr. Chairman, delegates, and fellow citizens, I am honored by the support of this convention for Vice President of the United States.
I accept the duty to help lead our nation out of a jobs crisis and back to prosperity. And I know we can do this. I accept the calling of my generation to give our children the America that was given to us with opportunity for the young and security for the old. And I know that we are ready. Our nominee is sure ready. His whole life, his whole life prepared him for this moment to meet serious challenges in a serious way without excuses and idle words. After four years of getting the runaround, America needs a turnaround, and the man for the job is Governor Mitt Romney. Johnson. Country working again. He has reminded us a time or two. <laughs> Those are very tough days. And any fair measure of his record has to take that into account. My home state voted for President Obama. When he talked about change, many people liked the sound of it, especially in Janesville, where we were about to lose a major factory. A lot of guys I went to high school with worked at that GM plant. Right there at that plant, candidate Obama said, I believe that if our government is there to support you, this plant will be here for another hundred years. That's what he said in 2008. Well, as it turned out, that plant didn't last another year. It is locked up and empty to this day. And that's how it is in so many towns where the recovery that was promised is nowhere in sight. Right now, 23 million men and women are struggling to find work. 23 million people, unemployed or underemployed. Nearly one in six Americans is in poverty. Millions of young Americans have graduated from college during the Obama presidency, ready to use their gifts and get moving in life. Half of them can't find the work they studied for or any work at all. So here's the question. Without a change in leadership, why would the next four years be any different from the last four years? All right, so uh, a um, vice presidential candidate sounding very reasonable. Scarlett Moriel points out on Twitter that the GM plant closed before Obama took office. Uh, there are a number of, of uh, sources that came out and said that the uh, that fact checkers and said that uh, there's a number of things that were said in, in Paul Ryan's speech that were uh, just factually inaccurate. Uh, so it's really important to make sure that we double check those things especially when someone is sounding reasonable um, because we will have plenty of opportunities to hold them accountable, not just at, by, in our votes, but in interviews and when we have questions from the stump, we want to just make sure that we're being honest. Um, Scarlett Morio also writes, semantics, one of the key weapons in politics. Man, that's true. Language is so important. Um, Congressman Ryan at the very end of his speech says, let me see if I can actually pull this. this. This is a quote that I was running. It was dark by the time I was listening to this bit. It was at the very end of his speech. Each of these, you all. Thank you. 
surfaces. That's safe again. We can do this. Whatever your political party, let's come together for the sake of our country. Join Mitt Romney and me. Let's give this effort everything we have. Let's see this thing all the way through. We will not spend the next four years blaming others. We will take responsibility. We will not try to replace our founding principles. We will reapply our founding principles. Wow, I'm trying to find this one part of what he said. It was really striking. The right that nation secured those rights for us. And in every generation since, the best among us have defended our... Anyway, the phrase he used that I'm looking for is central planners. He said, I'd rather have that than something and listening to something in the central planners. And the central planners refers to communist Russia, I believe is what he was going for. Either that or... Um, uh, well, uh, 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 hello. It's called H. G. Wells, the or George Orwell. Sorry, gosh, wow, brain fart. George Orwell's 1984. Uh, so anyway, the Central Planet, which was an, uh, a take on uh, communism, um, right? The that idea of central planners was a really sneaky code word that he threw in there. Um, which is basically calling Obama a, a, a communist. So he was very reasonable, but if you knew what you were listening for, that was a um, that was a zinger. Um, and you know, I think I think when people call Obama a communist or a socialist, they slam the brakes on any conversation, any real constructive conversation, because it's such a it's such a dirty word in American politics. It's such a dirty concept, um, you know, and uh, historically, maybe rightfully so. But 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 just in a contemporary context, when someone throws out an idea of a way of governing and it doesn't necessarily connect to Russian history or or it, it's just kind of an epithet that gets thrown out there, um, you know, and then all you, and then all you can do it's like calling someone a uh, uh, you know. A child molester. It's like ugh, there's no conversation after that. If the per if if it's just something you threw out there, you know, it's it's impossible to recover. So unless you really really are prepared to draw specific and direct correlations to decisions that Obama has made or convers or language he's used in his speeches or other uh, primary evidence to kind of substantiate that assertion that he's a communist, then please don't use it. And uh, Congressman Ryan, I think that was. Uh, wrong for you to say the central planners thing. Um, okay, so it's like darkness. Um, all right, I we are we are winding down. Um, I, I essentially played. I didn't finish it off with a big sweeping cheer for the Republicans, but it's we're a few hours away. I'm actually going to be on an airplane, so unless there's Wi-Fi on the airplane, I'm going to have to watch Governor Romney's acceptance speech uh, after the fact. I really, really, really appreciate the robust Twitter feed that's been going throughout this episode of Vox Populi. Um, 
Welcome to the Facebook folks. For those of you who are on Twitter that are also on Facebook but don't know it, Vox Populi Radio is the Twitter feed. I would really, 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 really appreciate it if anyone would go to um, uh, voxpopuliradio.com and jump into the Friends of Vox Populi thing. I'm now asking for $35. We, I'm going to go for one last caller. $35 will get you uh, the, the band, the signed personalized photo, and then priority, we're going to do some Google um, uh, Hangouts with like 10 people. And uh, those are going to be a priority thing, and we'd love to have you uh, jump in on them. So, so go in, and if you wouldn't mind, uh, please become a friend of the show. Please send your money. We're going to really want to hire a, a, a producer. Oop, that person just signed off. Call back real quick, and I'll give you one last word. Um, VoxPopuliRadio.com. Become a friend of the show. We'll, uh, we're going to be teeing up these Google Hangouts, which is basically a video conference with a limited number of people. Anything goes in those, you know, courtesy required, but uh, but we can talk about what was it like to make Lord of the Rings. We can talk about uh, uh, making you an honorary Goonie. We don't just have to talk about politics in those sessions. We can also be issue-specific if people really want to talk about education, if people really want to talk about something, uh, some particular area of uh our civic life, we, we can we can do that. So just know that I'm we're building to that moment, but that's what that thirty five uh, bucks gets you is a is a priority seat in those uh, in those sessions. I think we're going to have a raffle probably. Um, if other people, if you guys can suggest ways that the show can uh, make uh, money, I would love to hear it um, because. Uh, it, it takes money to, to be able to bring the kind of talent to the table that will help us get the guests that are really cool and, and just, you know, help us manage our multimedia, uh, social media campaign and, uh, you know, a relationship with the listenership and everything else. Uh, hold on. Hello. Who's this? Hello. 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 hello? Hey, who's this? Um, this is Elite. Ali, you're back from Spain. Tell me, I saw that you had another thought. You're gonna, we're, we're signing off in a minute, so go ahead and, and, uh, and close us out on the end of the show. All right. Ali, tell me something you're thinking about. I want to hear from you. Oh, yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about the whole um, Paul Ryan thing, and I, don't want to, I wanted to say that, to me, I think that the choice of Condoleezza Rice would have been much better for Mitt Romney. I mean, she's black, very popular, and um, she was the first uh, African-American to hold the prestigious position of the Secretary of State. And um, I don't know. I think she uh, and um, I wanted I wanted to add that she used to be in the Democrat in the Democrat Party. So uh, I think that um, she uh, could have helped um, Mitt Romney to uh, kind of, you know. Cut the ground from under Obama's feet. Don't you think so? Well, I think she did a great job last night elevating the conversation for the party, and I think she, uh, as a fundraiser and as a person who's going to be out there campaigning for him, she'll help. I think if you look at the electoral map, there was, uh, you know, Obama just came to power in a landslide, but if you look at the top part of the country in the middle, those states were all blue, and that's where uh, 
that's where he, he uh, uh, Congressman Ryan is from, and I think that they're really thinking they can steal some good electoral votes from that region. Plus, he speaks so intelligently, even though I disagree with him completely about his approach to uh, to the economy. He, he He's the chairman of the Budget Committee, and he's very, very, very smart on the issues, and strong, he's good-looking, he does PX, uh, you know, 80 or whatever it's called, PX90. So, uh, you know, I have friends of mine who are like, oh, he's so hot. Um, but anyhow, I, I think that, uh, you know, I'm sure she was on a short list and, and would uh, would be a, a very competent president, even though I just disagree with her approach on the world. Uh, Ali, thank you so much for being a voice. Get some of your friends around Europe to give a call in, too, my friend. I, I want to I wanna have a global feel for the show, and you're really starting us off in the right direction. All right. Thanks, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Sean Astin. You're listening to Vox Populi. Voice of the occasionally interested people. We just had a kick Aston show. Uh, and we will see you next week when the topic will probably be zeroing in on the Democratic National Convention, where hopefully I'll have even more uh, of, a, of a line in. But I'll be looking for Republicans who can give a critical response, and I'll be just as critical with my Dem colleagues as I have been with my Republican friends. Um, thank you again. I got nothing. Johnny Ice, thank you, Mackenzie Aston, for helping me with the sound on some of those things. Thank you, Johnny Ice, for working the boards. Thank you, Linda, uh, for your help with, uh, with the um, Facebook page. And that's it. Go out, get some exercise, tune in, pay attention a little bit to this uh, speech tonight. It's bound to be interesting. And uh, they're going to have a special guest. I think Clint Eastwood's going to come and show up. So we'll hear, uh, we'll hear what he or whoever it is has to say, which will be fun as well. Um, the only people who are going to have a say on what happens with this country are the ones who show up. So if you think you know how to do things, you think you got an opinion, by God, show up. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching.